All throughout my growing up years, I ramped up with anticipation. I was that hyperdoodle kid that couldn't wait for Christmas to get here, and I drove my parents crazy. I don't know if any of you were like that, but I've always been a little hyper. That shocks some of you, but I have. I know. And I was that kid that was obnoxious in the house and getting more and more excited. And to be very honest with you, my excitement had a, a most to do with the fact that I was going to get some presents. And that was my perspective about Christmas. But as the years have gone by, as I've become an adult, my focus has shifted quite a bit. And certainly I've learned the joy of experiencing Christmas with my family. I also enjoy very much seeing people I love receive gifts from me. And I certainly have had my heart shift since I was a child. Since age 10, I've come to know Jesus Christ. And Christmas changed on that day for me. Although I was still young and excited about presents, I started to realize what really Christmas is all about. And I will tell you, if this season does nothing else for believers, it should bring into focus the enormous thing that a loving God did for humanity. I submit that what God did for us, the way that he did it, why he did it, when he did it, Put so much wonder in this time of year that if we focus our gazes there, if we focus our attention to what God has done, in my my um, perspective, the real Christmas season, it becomes so deeply meaningful for us. And my hope is that you'll be able to see it again this year, that in the midst of all the rest that you experience with Christmas and this time of year and all the things associated with this time of year, that you'll still, believer, be able to look beyond all of that to the incredible love that was revealed by the Father to us through Jesus Christ. That's our goal. And if I do my job well enough this Christmas season, I'll help you to see it again. And I'll help you to marvel again. The theme for this Christmas season here at the Gospel Chapel is love revealed. And we take that, lift it right from the the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4 verse 10 will be our theme verse. And I love this verse. This is love. Not that we loved God, but he loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice. For our sins. You know what folks. I want to help you see again. How much God loves you. I hope that this year. During the Christmas season. You'll get a glimpse again. Of a God. Who loves you more than you could ever. Think or imagine. And it's revealed that love. Is revealed in Christ coming to us. Again. To me what God did. Through Jesus. Is mind boggling. One of the powerful aspects of Jesus coming is the fact that it was foretold. This didn't happen out of the blue. God told the Israelites and told the world, I'm going to send my son. Hundreds of years before it ever occurred. In fact, honestly, thousands of years. Because Jesus is seen in the very first book of the Bible after man fell. And, and there was an enmity put between men and or the, the, the race of man and the serpent, the devil. And God said that the seed of the woman would bruise, the, bruise or crush the head of the, of the serpent. And there he is, Jesus Christ. 
already announced. And then in detail, Isaiah 42 speaks of what Jesus will do. And I want to take you there. If you have your Bibles and you would like to follow along, Isaiah chapter 42 will begin our reading in verse 1. Isaiah 42, verse 1. Here is my servant, sorry, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light to the Gentiles, to open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place. And the new things I declare before they spring into being, I announce them to you. Powerful passage of Scripture. If you have ever seen flashing lights in your rearview mirror, though you were being a model driver, if you have ever been asked about a rumor that has been spread behind your back, if you've ever was passed over for a promotion in favor of someone less deserving, if you have ever been terminated without cause, then you have a glimpse of the experience that many of the people, the first hearers of this passage had felt. Isaiah 42 is part of a section in Scripture that captures the words of God to a group of people who had been suffering for years under the the crushing weight of injustice. The Jewish people had been in Babylon by the time this message came to their ears for 50 years. They were experiencing the bitterness, helplessness, frustration, and anger that builds when injustice is in place, when it is the rule of the day. All of those things can lead to a desire on the part of those being unjustly treated or seeing injustice. There's a desire that can well up in us for revenge. And revenge, we are told anyway, is a dish best served cold. In other words, we're supposed to wait till the opportune time to exact revenge. And it feels best when it happens in the proper time, after an appropriate time of waiting. Well, the Christmas season is a different kind of waiting. And we're not waiting on revenge. But we are waiting for justice. Paul encouraged the believers in Rome not to ever seek revenge, but to give that over to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord of hosts. And as this passage teaches us, God promised to send one who would bring justice to this world. The prophecy was fulfilled in Jesus. And while... In this season, we wait for his second coming. It is a coming that will bring final justice on this planet. 
Jesus has already brought it to the world, but there will be final justice one day. And we know that his first coming was a coming for justice as well. We must never lose sight of the fact that God creates, loves, and values every single person. Each and every one of us is cherished by him because he knit us together in his mother's, in our mother's wombs. Each and every person bears God's image, every person. God hates injustice. For any group of people to treat another group of people unjustly, God sees that as an affront. For any one person to be unjust toward another is an affront to God when that happens. Our loving God has come to confront injustice because he loves every single person in the world. So verses 1 through 4 here in Isaiah 42 tell us that one of the things that Jesus absolutely came into the world to do was to bring some justice here. And some of you may be thinking to me, Pastor Ken, Jesus didn't do that. Because everywhere I look around this world, this world is full of injustice. The world reeks with injustice. Certainly there are many people experiencing it right this moment. I'm going to ask you to consider this. I want you to consider the fact that when Jesus came to the world, he ushered in the kingdom of God on earth. He as much has said so many, many times. In the kingdom of God, all people are loved. All people are valued. And they're loved and valued equally by God. In the kingdom of God's economy, there is no injustice toward people. Although Jesus ascended into heaven, the kingdom of God remained here when he left. His church is here. And folks, we're part of that kingdom. We belong to the kingdom of God. And we have a function here on this planet. And part of that function is to address injustice in our world. We who are part of the kingdom of God value those who are not valued by others. We love those who are not loved by others. We show grace and mercy to those who do not receive it from other people. And sometimes when we do, it doesn't make sense to the rest of the the world around us. But we do kingdom work here on earth. That's part of what our church is about. That's part of what the church is about. One day Jesus will return. And he will enforce justice finally on the earth. And that's his final judgment. But he has already brought loving justice into our world. And I want to suggest some aspects of that justice that exists today through Jesus Christ. I would suggest to you first that loving justice is gentle. Verses 1 through 3 of our scripture say that. The servant promised in Isaiah 42 offers a strange combination of power and vulnerability. It was God's design for Jesus, the eternal Lord of glory, to enter into this world as a newborn infant. It was God's design for Jesus to be born in very lowly circumstances to very ordinary lowly people. Not people of nobility, not people of special talent, extraordinary in character, but that was where it kind of ends. No, it was God's plan for Jesus not to receive training under the tutelage of some wise religious scholar, but to be taught by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a carpenter, not a politician and not a Pharisee. 
the servant brought justice to the nations, but he did not do so by screaming and shouting. According to these verses, that's not the style of Jesus. Although he always has had all authority over the whole universe, he did not stand up and demand and forcefully demand justice in the world. Instead, he brought and modeled loving justice to the world. And he is the embodiment of it. Loving justice is gentle. And when you see the way that Jesus ministered to and dealt with people, you see the gentleness of Jesus Christ. Lately, our headlines have been just full of examples of people demanding justice. Have you read those headlines? Have you seen the stories on TV where people are out there demanding justice? I truly believe the mindset of some of those who are protesting and demanding this justice, I truly believe that their mindset is to take it by force if that's what it takes. We've all seen masses of people shouting and being very hateful and saying hateful things and provocative things in an attempt to gain justice. They're frustrated because they feel like they've lived under injustice for a long time. Some have accompanied their loud and harsh rhetoric with violence. And before you and I begin to point fingers at other people and get angry at them, before we, missed, uh, we, we do that, perhaps we should take a little bit of a look inside of us. I'm pretty sure that pretty much every one of us at some point has felt mistreated by someone and felt like uh, we have uh, had people uh, treat us in, unjustly. And many of us have probably resorted to yelling harsh words and maybe even threatening unless justice was served. Some of us wanted people to have miraculously, or I'm sorry, people who have maliciously harmed others to come to a violent end. And we ourselves wouldn't mind being the ones to make that happen. Listen, I have <laughs> been with Christians. I won't give away people. I'm not here to do that. But I've been with Christians, places where, you know, you have uh, you go to establishments that offer service. And I've been with some Christians who didn't like the service and felt like the service was so bad that they threw a hissy fit and were awful and demanded that the, the restaurant or wherever they are would make it right. I mean, uh, so so before we start pointing fingers at other people, uh, it, it seems to be nature of our, our nature, human nature for us to demand justice. I'm so glad that that brand of justice is not what Jesus brought to the world, but that he modeled for us gentle, loving justice. It's a brand of justice that does not scream and shout, and it does not demand. It is a brand of justice that offers mercy and love first. In fact, this brand of justice is energized with sacrificial love and a willingness to pay the ransom that true justice would demand. Jesus met injustice with his gentleness. And I praise him for that. He's the Lord of glory. He could have come to this world and just started slinging the sword around, if you will. He could have kicked tails and taken names. But that's not what Jesus did. With all of his power and with all of the angels at his command and all the things he could have done, he addressed injustice through love and gentleness. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Final justice will one day come to our world. God will one day 
judge all of us. He will one day punish the ungodly. He will avenge and he will end all injustice one day. His church, though, is here to serve the world as Jesus did in his first coming. We're to gently address injustice with God's love, with God's grace, with God's mercy. So who are examples of, of injustice or what are examples of injustice around you? And when you're thinking about it, recall the gentility of Jesus in dealing with the broken and even with dealing with the unjust. The second observation I want to make with you is that loving justice is grounded in God. When we address it properly, it is the work of God. It is what God is about. Old Testament scholar Terence uh, Friedham says this, what God will do on behalf of an abused and oppressed people is made a matter of divine promise. What we are called to do is not on our own strength or in our own strength. None of us is called to be the servant mentioned in this passage. That is a role that Jesus fills. While we work for justice, whether wherever we are planted, we remember that we do so because Jesus has already been there working in the lives of those people. Church, we're to be the agent of that. We are to be present where things aren't right in the world and we are to address it in a godly, loving way. One of the key roles of the church is to proclaim the word of God in the midst of this injustice in the world. And we're called to communicate this message that God has brought to us and given to us to tell the world. Proclaiming God's word into unjust circumstances is not always easy. In fact, it can be extremely hard. All of you are familiar with the story of a precious pastor's wife, 20, I think, eight years old at home with her. A uh, one-year-old child, her husband had gone out, a pastor. He had gone out. He was in the gym, I think, at the gym. She was expecting for 12 weeks, had a precious baby on board. And someone broke into their home. And subsequently, the woman was sexually molested and assaulted and then killed, shot in the head. That's injustice. It's a heinous thing. And I was floored. When I watched as Pastor Blackburn and the girl, Amanda's father, who is also a pastor, was being interviewed by Fox News. And I began to speak to this man about the things that have gone or the things that had transpired. This young husband, this 20 something man who now will be a single father. And I began to ask him. You know, where he was and and in his thinking and what he wanted to do. And the amazing power that this pastor shared with was a blessing to watch as a, a fellow pastor. Davy began to talk about forgiving the men who had perpetrated these things upon his wife. He said, of course, his family was feeling rage and loneliness and confusion, but they were choosing forgiveness. And they said that it will be a daily decision from here on out. Every day, they will have to battle those negative feelings and the feeling of injustice. But they have chosen to meet injustice with the forgiveness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Davy has expressed his hope and prayer 
that the power of the Lord Jesus Christ would impact the ones who are responsible for his wife and his child's death. And so much so that they would be transformed and come to know Jesus Christ. He said this, we are going to have to wake up every single day and face the decision over and over and over for the rest of our lives. He said that going down the path of bitterness will, quote, destroy my soul and it will destroy everyone around me. So today I choose forgiveness and I pray that tomorrow I can wake up and choose forgiveness by the power of Jesus Christ. Though everything inside of me wants to hate and be angry and slip into despair, I choose the root of forgiveness, grace and hope. If there is one thing that I have learned from Amanda in the 10 years we were together, it is this, he says. Choosing to let my emotions drive my decisions is a recipe for hopelessness and fruitlessness. Today, I'm deciding to love, not hate. Today, I'm deciding to extend forgiveness and not bitterness. Today, I'm deciding to hope, not to spare. By Jesus' power at work within us, The best is still yet to come. Even when I don't see it, I believe it's true. Now, that's the example of how the power of God through us meets injustice in the world. People can't do this without God's power. You understand that. Amen. And there's enough brokenness and injustice all around us. We have an opportunity to address with love. We have an opportunity to address the way Jesus addressed it. Jesus never condoned injustice. Jesus never said, well, it doesn't matter. It very much matters. And as I said, one day, Jesus is going to exact final justice. But today we live in an age of grace where we can address the injustices of our lives as believers with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. I need to tell you something. It's not just that God forgave me of my sins. If I got what I deserved, I'd be burning in a pit of hell today. But because God wanted to bring to me love, and wanted to to reconcile the irreconcilable almost, except through the power of God, I am free from that penalty. It's not justice. It was never justice for Jesus to hang on a cross for me. I haven't done anything to deserve that. That wasn't just. It was God's love revealed. And remember that Jesus left heaven in all of his glory... And came to this planet knowing before he left his glory that he would be hanging on a cross. Let me suggest finally that loving justice is God's glory. Verse 8 talks about that. It is God who's glorified through loving justice. There are several events in the Bible where for me the glory of God is just so prominent and predominantly on display. I see his glory in the awe-inspire work of creation. Every time I read that and I think about it, my jaw drops open. Because if you just know a little bit about the expanse and the complexity of this universe, it blows my mind that God speaks and it happens. What What a glorious thing 
when God created this world in such a short, compact period of time. I see his glory in that. I see it when Jesus is hanging on a cross and then he rises again after he is dead. He rises again from the grave three days later. What a powerful moment of God's glory. The day that Jesus will return. Oh, what an event. And I promise you, you'll see the glory of God on that day. Certainly when he judges and every person who has ever lived is standing before God, you'll see his glory on that day. This book is full of the glory of God. God's glory is very much on the scene at the, the event of the birth of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful, powerful, beautiful thing that God did for us in Jesus coming. God's display of justice through the servant is what sets him apart from all the other gods. It's how God deals with the sin of our lives. He does it by sending his only son to this planet. But he has brought us into the secret. He didn't keep it a secret. He, it Way back in the days that these verses that we are reading was penned. He said, I'm sending him. My servant is coming. And so he has brought it into reality. And justice is here. So when God's glory is the focus of our lives, we cease perpetrating injustice and we become agents of loving justice. And that's what I want. I don't want to be guilty of mistreating people, do you? If we are to be the church that Jesus Christ would have us to be here at the Gospel Chapel, and let me hone this in and make it a fine point for you. If you are to be the believer that God would have you to be, you can't perpetrate injustice on people. That is the opposite of the glory of God. But God is glorified when we choose as a church, as a people, as a person to love as Christ would have us to love. And we can do that. Love has been revealed and we have access to the power to love like that. Just like Pastor Davy Blackburn and his father-in-law are choosing. We can choose. And I want to do that. That's my desire. What examples of injustice do you see in and around your life? Are you focused on glorifying God and meeting injustice with this word and with the word of God and and with his ways instead of your ways? Do you find yourself more likely to take matters into your own hands and meet injustice your way? Are you wrestling in your heart with God's sense of justice? Are you willing, though, to yield to him? And say, God, you know what? This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But I want to trust you. And I want to seek your will. I don't know your life circumstance today as I stand here and I preach to you today. But I will say this to you. God's love has been revealed to us. He sent Jesus into the world and he loves us. And I'm so glad that he loves us like he does. If you have not come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, right where you are, you can bow. Right where you are, you can seek him. And he won't give you what you deserve. He'll give you what he wants to give you. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, and entrance into a family, a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. I'm so glad for today that God the Father adopted me through Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, I belong to his family. 
And that's pretty awesome because the family I was part of prior to it ain't no good. I know I use bad language there, but it ain't no good. And I'm just so glad that I belong to Jesus Christ today. And I am one of the father's sons. That's the love of God. It's not just, but it is God's way of loving me. And I praise him. Would you bow your heads for just a moment if you'll just play some music? And I, I haven't forgot the Advent read, so I did remember that. But if you'll bow just before the Lord for just a moment in music playing, I just want to give a second for you to have a moment with God. And somebody here, I, I believe it's very possible, somebody here is in, is in the throes of a battle. Something's not right. Something's not fair. And you're struggling with that. You're, you're, you're thinking that in your heart. Even if you don't want to, you're thinking, this just doesn't seem right. This isn't fair. I don't understand what's going on. I don't know why. And I want to give you an opportunity just where you sit. Say, you know what, though, God? I'm going to trust you with this. Because you are a just God. And I'm going to rely on you. I need you. And I'm going to ask you to help me. In this, this circumstance, this situation, I want to trust you with this in my life. And I wonder if there's somebody here today, I'm not trying to deceive anybody, eyes are closed, heads bowed, who would lift your hand and say, you know what? I have just done that, Pastor Ken. I have put this thing in God's hand. It doesn't feel right, but I have laid this into the hand of my God and I'm trusting him with my life. Amen. Are there others? You can put your hand down. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands out. This isn't fair. Amen. Thank you. Several hands. I'm dealing with this. This is struggling. Thank you for your hand. I'm, I'm struggling here, but you're right, Pastor Ken. I do believe that Jesus brought justice, and I have to trust him with this in my life. Is there one person here who would say, you know what? It's time for me to come to Christ. It's time for me to trust him to be my Lord and my Savior. And I want to accept him here on the spot. I receive his forgiveness. I receive his mercy. And I open my heart to him. And I ask him to adopt me into his family.